Thank you, worship team. Well, how are you guys doing? Good? Summer has arrived. Did you know that we are on our third official day of summer? And actually, a little known fact for you, us here in the, that are on Pacific time, we're actually on our fourth official day of summer. Kind of cool, huh? No. I saw it on like Crim too. They said like us, we get to enjoy, we get to enjoy one extra day of summer by being on Pacific time. No one's excited about that. An extra day of summer. Come on. Yeah, there we go. Come on, we got... When I saw that, I was like, that's the best news I've ever seen. That's great. An extra day of summer. <laughs> I love summer. Anyone else? Anyone like summer, their, their favorite season? Anyone? All right. Winter? Ooh, okay. Well, that's why we live in Spokane, though, right? Yeah. <laughs> Man, I love summer because I, I love sitting by the pool. Or by a lake, you know, going up to like Priest Lake or sitting by a pool or just whatever. Like, it, it is one of the best things. Anyone else just love just sitting by the pool or lake, just soaking in that sweet, sweet nectar called the sun? You know, you just in your life, it, it's so good. I love being by the pool. And this is why I love visiting our family in Tucson, Arizona. Um, it, it's so good. You, you fly into Tucson or Phoenix or if you've ever been in that area, and you fly in and you see all these like little brown rectangles because they don't have grass but then right next to it you see this blue rectangle and there it's just everywhere you see all these like blue rectangles as you fly in and you're like yes hallelujah we have reached uh the promised land you know there's pools everywhere and and you know that you're gonna go and you're gonna go sit by a pool it's just amazing i love doing it and uh, we actually had a family reunion uh uh in tucson last summer and it was great. We sat by the pool a ton, uh, just drinking Slurpees and the whole thing. But our family, what we would do uh, a few times is we would be sitting by the pool, but then someone would get this a big game of Marco Polo going. And we would have about 20 uh, intense competitive mead people, meads in the pool at one time playing Marco Polo. Everyone know how to play this game, Marco Polo? Yeah, let's practice. Marco there we go. We got it down. That's good. You guys are amazing. You would fit right in, all right? We have about 20 people in the pool playing. And now when you play Marco Polo, uh, the, the person who is uh, Marco or calling out, you know, you have to be very in tune to everything that's going on around you. If you want to be a successful player, you have to be very in tune. This separates the weak and the strong in this game, all right? Anyone ever play you know, with the weak person, and you're just like, okay, you can tag me, like, okay, thank you, it's been 10 minutes, 15 minutes, but this separates the weak and the strong, is how in tune you can be with, with what's going on in the pool, and so the, the good player can uh, kind of get in the zone and know, like, okay, there's some people on the other end of the pool, they're trying to distract me, someone's behind me, tapping me on the shoulder with a noodle, someone's by my side, splashing me, Oh, someone just took a deep breath to swim under me. And then you got to be able to notice the fish out of water, you know? When someone gets out of the pool and they try and tiptoe around you because you're getting too close, and then you got to call out fish out of water, and if you get them, they're done, you know? And then when you call out Marco, you got to be able to decipher where all the voices are coming from all around the pool. And you keep doing it, you know, and you keep calling out Marco, 
and you'll be able to hear everyone until you, you can hear where all the voices are coming from and then you can tag the person and get them out, right? That's kind of how the game goes and the strong players are able to do that. Yet, we would have, I have this one cousin, his name's Samuel. Samuel lives in Virginia Beach. So he, he lives on the water. He's like if a Navy SEAL had a child with a mermaid, all right? Like... <laughs> No one's catching this kid, okay? I mean, he, he's too good. He, he's out there. He's swimming under you. But what he also likes to do, because he knows that he's, he's too good, is uh, he likes it to do backflips over you with your eyes closed. And then he swims under you, and he sits at the other end of the pool with his arms up and just basking in his glory, just waiting for someone else to get out. Now, if you ever played Marco Polo long enough, and there's that one guy who can never get out, your sole intent and everyone, all other 19 players... Their sole intent is when they're at, you get Samuel out, right? And so what you start to do is you get in the, you, you close your eyes. And when you say, Marco, all you're looking for is where's Samuel's voice coming from? Where is it coming from? And you keep doing it, the Marco Polo thing back and forth. And, and all you're listening for is Samuel's voice. And you're just following him around. You're following around until you finally catch him and then uh it, it's just like it gets, just goes wild in the pool he's like you didn't get me and i'm like yeah i did you know the whole thing but you're trying the whole time you're trying to decipher and determine and follow where he is it, it, it's a great game and i love playing it but i was reading through uh we're going through this series the gospel of john and i was reading through uh the chapter uh uh, that i was going to preach on john 10 and, and this this memory came to mind and uh, just how it relates to our own spiritual lives. So Jesus talks about how he is the good shepherd uh, in John 10. And we are like sheep. We hear his voice and we know him. Yet, yet so many times we have all these competing voices and clutter and, and different things going on in our world. Our job duties, maybe like hurts or worries, family tension, getting your kids from here to there, back to here. Um, you have maybe illness or, or media, uh, social media, school, professors, you know, whatever it may be. And there's a lot more than that. Competing voices in our world. And then it can get so hard and frustrating listening to where Jesus is and trying to follow him. Am I right? Anyone experience that? It's tough. And, and so today, I want to share with you a few things that maybe the Lord just kind of showed me as I was just reading and meditating on this. And I wanted to share that with you, if that would be all right. And did you know that, that God actually wants to speak to you this morning? I mean, you all came to church because maybe it's what you do every Sunday or whatever. But did you know that God actually wants to speak to you this morning? Because you came to church. And so I, I want to ask you a favor this morning. Is that whatever you came with that, that, that could be a competing voice in your mind. I, I want to ask that you would just give that up to God. Because God wants to speak to you today. But maybe that competing voice is something going on with your kids or or your family, your job, you know, lunch, breakfast, hoop fest, hoop fest. Sorry, that one was for me. Maybe it's a relationship. You know, let's just give that up to the Lord. Because maybe God wants to speak on that today, but maybe he doesn't. I mean, what we don't want to do is we don't want to allow other competing voices or things to get in the way of what God does want to do. 
So if you can think of that one thing, you know, let's just lift that up to the Lord right now. God, we give you these competing voices and these competing thoughts. Would you speak to us today? God, use my words. Pray this in your name. Amen. So you can open your, your Bibles, your iBible, whatever, up to John 10. Um, if you remember Pastor Scott's message from last week, Jesus had healed this blind man. And the Pharisees had been questioning this blind man and his family. And they were going to them going, hey, you know, what happened? Do you, do you believe that Jesus is the Messiah? And remember what Pastor Scott said, what would happen to the family in that culture at that time if they said, we do believe they would be kicked out of the faith and the temple and all this stuff. So what does the, the family do? And the, uh, they, they play the dumb card, the stupid card and go, I don't know what happened. And, uh, and they leave and then they keep questioning the blind man. And the blind man says that, that statement, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know is that I was blind and now I see, right? Hallelujah, right? Then the, the man leaves, this, it got healed. Jesus finds this guy again and he has this like come to Jesus moment because he didn't believe, even though he was healed, he didn't believe right away that Jesus was the Messiah. And then after he's healed and he's questioned, Jesus meets the man again. And he has this come to Jesus moment where he's like, hey, I do believe in you. I, I do believe in you. And, and he enters into this relationship with Jesus. But the Pharisees follow Jesus around. So they, they actually notice that Jesus is again speaking to the blind man. So they go up to him again to start questioning him. And Jesus begins to talk with the Pharisees again. But we get this sense that Jesus is starting to butt his head up against a brick wall, right? These guys don't get it. And so Jesus starts to take kind of a new angle with the Pharisees on something that would be very simple for them to understand in their culture. So he starts to talk to them about this parable and uses this metaphor of a sheep and a shepherd because there were so many sheep and shepherds around at that time. And so... And he begins, uh, and he relates this to our spiritual walk. So let's read this out of John 10.1. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. There are three different analogies used in this parable that Jesus is using here. There are the sheep, there, are, there is the shepherd, and there is the thief. We are the sheep. We are all the sheep in this story. And he's saying that the Pharisees and everyone else, they are all the sheep. And then... Jesus is the shepherd who leads the sheep, and then Satan is the thief. Those are the three uh, uh, parts in play in this story. And Jesus says the only way to enter heaven or to go through the door or the gate is following the shepherd. They hear him call, and they follow. And that day, sheep were everywhere. So Jesus thought that the Pharisees would pick up on some of these things here. Because sheep were everywhere in and around the area of Israel. The sight of seeing sheep being shepherd was just a, a normal thing. It was very common. And, and this would be something he thought the Pharisees would understand. 
you know, there were so many shepherds, so many sheep. Um, there were shepherds leading their sheep uh, to find water, to find food, to find shelter, to find safety, uh, to find pasture, you know, all, all these things. And, uh, and what they would do at dusk is uh, to keep them out of harm's way is they would lead their sheep into uh, this little like stone pen kind of thing that had these stone walls with this very narrow uh, doorway in order for the sheep would have to bottleneck to get into it because they'd have so many sheep, they'd have to bottleneck in. And then once he led, once the shepherd led all the sheep into this large stone pen, and these pens are kind of everywhere, um, that then the shepherd would sit in the doorway. So no sheep could get out, but more importantly, that nothing else could get in. And so if there was another sheep it would have to come, he would have to move and allow the sheep to come in, but it would also allow them to be protected because then no wolf or no enemy could get in without going through the shepherd. And, and, and this is still well and alive today in the culture over there. There are still shepherds, sheep, um, uh, in and around the area of Israel. And this practice that Jesus is talking about, and which I just explained, is still used today in the culture. Um, it's still alive today. So I want to show you just a quick video um, of what this kind of looks like. All right, let's play that now. Who thought music could make sheep look so good? <laughs> but you see that there was that little doorway in that stone pen that the shepherds would lead the sheep into. 
And that they would go in there and then they would rest in there and they would be safe. And then the shepherd would sit in the doorway. You see those, those guys, it's cool seeing some of that stuff go, hey, that actually happens today. And what Jesus was talking about, he, he was just saying. But you see, the only way that the sheep go in and find that pasture, the only way, and what Jesus is saying, is to be in a right relationship with God. The only way to salvation is through him. Just like the sheep trying to go through the shepherd. You cannot get in another way. There's no other doorway. There's just one very small, narrow door. That's our way in. And so Jesus continues to say in John chapter 10, he says, I am the door. If anyone enters me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Through following Jesus, that's where we find pasture. That's where we find life, abundant life. That's where we find happiness, love, rest, joy, purpose, vision, and our destiny. Though Jesus says that that's what we will find, he also says that there is another who would want to rob this from us, to destroy this from us, and to try and kill us. He says the thief wants to come, steal, kill, and destroy your life. The thief wants to poison your life. The thief wants to come in and find you either before you've entered in through the gate, through the doorway, before you've entered into a relationship with Jesus, and poison you before you go in and rob you of your life, Or what he wants to do is he wants to find sheep that have already entered in and he wants to rob you of your purpose and your destiny. He wants to do that. The thief wants to rob you of your purpose. Rob it from you through lies and deceit. And he knows that if he, the thief, can rob this from you now, then someday you'll stop following Jesus or the shepherd later. So let me tell you two ways that the thief wants to rob your life, your calling, your purpose, and your destiny from you. First, the thief will rob us through isolation. The thief wants you isolated. There's something in our church world today, this like weird renegade spirit that says, I want to do everything on my own. I can be my own shepherd. I don't need other people in my life, others around me, praying for me, encouraging me, challenging me. Man, I am so spiritual. I just hang out with God. Me and him, we're buddies. I just hang out with him. He tells me things, and and I do them. I don't don't need anyone else but him. Me and the Trinity, we're we're like, you know, foursome that just goes around. It's great. It's like, no, man, if you were hanging out with God, God would say, hey, go find some friends. That's what God would say. Go get some people around you who care for you, who want to be a part of your life, pray for you, be in relationship with you. But no, there's this thing that that goes around that says, you know what, maybe I don't need that. Isolation is a poison in your life. Those who stand alone will fall alone. And then, 
when you fall, don't turn it back on God or the church and go, where were you, God? Or, you know, where, where was the church when I needed them? You know, because isolation, what it does to Christians, Christians are just notorious for this. What isolation does, you get, you get hurt, you fall down, you fall alone, you're hurt by some things. And what Christians are notorious for is taking something very small, a very small hurt, and then making it huge. Right? Because that's what isolation does. There's this very small thing that could be easily worked out, but then isolation makes it like its own solar system. And it's just massive. And then you get hurt and go, where was everyone when I needed them? You know, maybe it could be something that could be easily fixed. But isolation destroys relationships with others and with God. You cannot do it on your own. You need to put people around you who are following Jesus with a passion. Here's what a pastor once said that I kind of held on to. Where it says, show me your five friends today. And I'll show you where you'll be in five years from now. Who you hang out with is who you are. If you're not hanging out with anyone, five years, whatever it is, you'll fall alone. Show me your five friends and I'll show you where you'll be in five years. Here's the thing about sheep that wander off from the pack. You know, you you get that picture of the sheep, you know, they're all following each other around. When a sheep wanders off from the pack, it gets isolated. It's alone. It doesn't have the shepherd. It doesn't have all the other sheep in a little group that they're following. And so what happens to that sheep who gets isolated is they get into danger. Sheep have zero attackability. They can't defend themselves. They're they're worthless without, you know, a shepherd or other sheep to get around them. They get isolated and they get into danger. Maybe they can survive for a little bit. But at some point, they're going down. There's a lion, there's a wolf out there that's just prowling around, waiting to kill them and eat them for a delicious meal, right? Everyone's seen the Discovery Channel. It happens all the time. But there's this wolf or lion that's just going around and wants to eat them. If the sheep does not have the, the, the other sheep around them and the shepherd protecting them, at some point, they're going down. So let me show you this quick picture that... Uh, to illustrate what isolation looks like that I found and kind of modified. I know it's not a sheep, but, you know, it does. So we got the isolated Christian, and we have the thief. It's good, huh? I work in Photoshop all the time, all right? <laughs> now, but what the Bible says, you can leave that picture up there too, by the way, for now. I'll tell you when to take it down. Um, what the Bible says is that the enemy, the thief, Uh, It says that the enemy is like uh, a prowling lion roaming around. That's what it says. The Bible says that the enemy is actually like a lion prowling and roaming around, waiting to pounce. So, isolated Christians. Maybe you go to two or three different churches because you can't commit to one. That's you. Maybe you church hop like you're playing a real life game of Frogger. That's you. You're dating a guy or a girl who's not a Christian. You. You don't want correction in your life. You. You have that number in your phone that when times get tough, you call because you're lonely. You. You don't have time to be in a life group. You. 
You don't want people to keep you accountable. You. Because of your isolation, you may start sinning. There's no one around to bring you back. Or maybe you start going through a really difficult time in life. Where are the people around you to help you out? Or is the thief nipping at your heels? You can take that picture down. Thank you. Times do get tough. You know, we go through hard times. When Chantel was pregnant with Grant, um, we were so excited. It, it was just like the best time ever. But, you know, pregnancy is kind of worrisome, even if it goes smoothly, right? So, but we were so excited. I was so excited to hold him, see his face, you know, just be with him. Uh, it, it was just, we were just really excited. But we go into one of our uh, kind of routine ultrasounds. I forget what it was. He was... I don't know, 20 weeks or 16 weeks, whatever one of those big ultrasound dates are. And uh, we go in and this kind of bomb hits our life. Where one of the ultrasound tech and our uh, doctor find something in there that they're very concerned about. And they, they think that Grant might be born with a severe mental disability. And it, it just kind of rocked our world. It was just a really tough season. And uh, it made the rest of the pregnancy extremely hard. You know, and, and every time the same thing picked up in every ultrasound. And, and it's just weird, you know, when you go and you sit in the genetics part of the hospital at Sacred Heart and you're talking to a genetics counselor of what your life may look like or why this happened. It, it's just this weird thing. It's just like, why, why is this happening? And, and it just made this very hard, um, just very hard walk for us to go through. And uh, I, I just remember just thinking like, you know, what, what would my life look like? You know, why would this happen? Why would God do something like this to me? And, and of course, you know, God never said plainly when I prayed, you know, God, it's going to be okay, right? God never said plainly, Nathan, it's going to be okay. You know, that never really happened where it was like, okay, I'm good, you know? That, that never happened. And, and so all Chantel and I were able to do is just trust God, follow him. But we had to rely on the people that we had put around us. That my parents played a huge role in us making it through okay. Where they would, they would come over and pray for us when we were down. They'd, they'd drive over or, or we'd just be around. They'd be praying for us continually, constantly. I mean, and it helped us see that, that even though you don't know your outcome now, that, that God will protect you and he has your best interests in mind and to trust him it, it really helped us get through it and in our life group played a huge part in this that you know every week we'd go and we would talk about this and they would pray for us and uh they they would come over um it, the people that we put around our life were there for us and it would be so easy in a situation like this just to isolate yourself and go, you know what, I don't need people around me. This is too hard. I can't deal with it. I can't deal with the emotions and people always praying for me. And hey, how's everything going? It would be very easy to isolate yourself in a situation like that. And I'm so thankful for the people who came around us in that time that was really difficult because I, I can just see by us isolating ourselves in that situation, things just could have got bad. We could have removed ourselves. Relationships could have got strained. But instead, we chose to put people around us and follow Jesus 
even when it's hard, even when it's tough, we have to choose to follow and to trust that the Lord is good and that he knows the way. It would be so easy to isolate. But we do it, we follow even though it's hard. We read the Bible even though we don't want to. We pray even though we're exhausted. We get people around us even though we may not want them. We just follow even when it's hard. We need people around us that encourage us, pray for us, help us, that are running in the lane of life right next to you. When times get tough, how many people do you have to fight through in order to get isolated? How big of a struggle is it for you if you want to get isolated and turn your back? How big of a struggle is it for you to fight through all those people that you've put around you that will come around you and and make that a struggle? If the, the resistance is pretty slim and small, then you are poised for isolation and for the thief to come in. Jesus says the thief comes to rob us and sometimes... We try to do everything on our own. We think that, you know, we can withstand it. We can do it on our own. We can fix our relationships on our own, find relationships, and uh, and then we find them in the wrong places. And then we can end up in this situation or a relationship that we just never thought we would be in. We look back and we go, hey, I'm in this financial situation. I made these big decisions on my own, and I never thought I would be here two, three, four, five years ago. Or or, or you're in a relationship that maybe you you never imagined you would be in that type of a relationship. Where the person, maybe they're like abusive or they talk down to you, have little interest in you or whatever. And you go, man, I never pictured myself in a relationship like this. And we try and do it on our own. And that is the thief robbing you. That is what the thief does. When we try and do everything on our own, Thing on our own. It's difficult and damaging, and that's the enemy. That's the enemy robbing us. The good shepherd came that you have life. When we follow, that's where life is. That's where we find that pasture that Jesus is just waiting for us. Is it always easy? No, but it's worth it. The other way that the thief wants to rob you of your purpose in your life is through hesitation. Hesitation to walk through that door Jesus is talking about to find pasture. Maybe you've been sitting on the fence for a long time now. And you know, I, I don't know if I want to follow Jesus. Hesitation will keep you from being in a relationship with a God who dearly loves you. A God who paid the price of death a sinner's death even though he lived a sinless life and what he offers through that is salvation this free gift of salvation and grace and mercy but what hesitation will say is man i don't know about like everything i don't know about the dinosaurs the bible is not very clear on that so man i'm out can't do it don't hesitate walk through the door of life. And I, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that, if that's you, at the end of this service. Christians, though, also can be very hesitant. 
And, and, and it is a poison, my friend. People who are following Jesus don't hesitate when it comes to the Bible. They read something and it puts their life into action. They read it and they go, the Bible says love people, forgive people, pray for people. That's following Jesus. When, you, when you're in prayer and you feel like God says something to you, that should put you into action. When you read the Bible and, and you're convicted on something, that should put your life into action. Love people, forgive them, you know, pray for them, whatever. And it's like, oh, I don't know, like what if I pray for someone and, and nothing happens? That's okay. Or, or what if they're like offended because I ask like, hey, do you need prayer? What's God saying? Take out all the distractions, try and listen and just do. Don't let the word almost enter your walk with the Lord. Because hesitation kills. I almost started to serve. What? I, I hear that one all the time. I'm telling you. I almost started to serve. And it's like, okay. And I'll say, hey, man, you, you, you should uh, uh, serve in our kids' ministry, or you should serve in youth ministry, or you'd be great at the coffee bar or, or the traffic team, or hey, why don't you serve on the worship team, whatever. And they're like, well, we pray about that. And it's like, what are you praying about? You're going home, you're getting on your hands and knees and go, God, I see your pierced hands and your pierced feet and your gashed side and the scars on your head. Thank you for dying a brutal death for me and forgiving me and giving grace. Do you want me to serve people? (laughs) What? Don't let the word almost enter your walk with the Lord. Just imagine, what if Jesus almost died for you? He almost died for you. What if God almost decided to forgive you? What if Paul almost decided to write letters to the churches? What if Martin Luther almost decided to start a revival? What if Billy Graham almost decided to be an evangelist? There's a prostitute somewhere in this city because someone almost mentored her. There's a drug addict somewhere in the city because someone almost Share Jesus with them. There's someone in this church who feels lonely because someone almost reached out to them. There's someone in this church who feels uncared for because someone almost decided to pray for them. I remember this very clearly for me. I had this one event in my mind where I was just doing, I'm a youth pastor, and so I do youth ministry on Wednesday nights. And there was just kind of this weird night where we were talking about suicide. It was kind of, um, it was, it was kind of uh, out of the usual thing of what we may do. And, uh, and it, it was kind of a smaller group of people that night. And, uh, and we were just talking about that. And I, I kind of share my message and, and on kind of what it is and, and what God may want to say. And I saw everyone out there, and I knew all the faces. And I knew everyone personally. I'm going, you know what? And I felt like the Lord told me, uh, gave me a spiritual word of knowledge that someone in here is really wrestling with that and like really bad. And uh, I was going, man, and I'm just sitting there and I'm like about to pray and go, hey, you need to, you need to bring this up right now because they may find healing through that, that word. And, uh, and I'm looking out going, I I know everyone here. No one's dealing with this. You know, like I, I know their parents, you know, the whole thing, like. 
And, and what I did is I was like, hesitation creeped in. And what I did is I didn't bring it up. And then after the service, this student comes up to me and uh, he says, hey, thank you for that. Just want to let you know that uh, uh, one of my parents committed suicide. My uncle tried to commit suicide. My brother tried to commit suicide. And like, I, I don't even know. And I was just like blown away. And then he left, and, you know, it, it, and I couldn't really go, hey, well, God told me that you were the guy, you know? Because then he could have, that's not a real word of knowledge anymore, because he goes, well, I just told you that. You can't say that God told you that after I told you that. And so then he left, and, and you know, I, I prayed for him and stuff. But what hesitation did is it didn't allow God to work when he wanted to work. And it didn't allow the healing that maybe God wanted to do right then and there. Another time in my life, I remember very clearly where hesitation wasn't so present was uh, I, I was in high school at the time and, and camp was coming around and, and I didn't want to go. I was very hesitant about going. I, I didn't want to be there, but my youth pastor talked me into going somehow. And so I end up going to this youth camp. But the whole time, man, I just wouldn't enter in the whole time. I was just hesitant about everything. I didn't want to enter into anything. And... Uh, I always just come in the back, you know, go in like the cafeteria during like a worship service or something like that and leave during the sessions. But this one time, the last night, I'm sitting in the cafeteria and Pastor Bobby Moore from Life Center comes up to me and goes, hey, why don't you come in? And I go, no, I can't do that. My tummy hurts. I gave him this fake excuse. Because what Bobby didn't know is that throughout my whole childhood growing up, um, I dealt with really bad stomach issues. And uh, he didn't know that I had gone to the doctor, seen... Uh, uh, a lot of doctors done testing, blood samples, the whole thing. Doctors, you know, really couldn't really figure it out. They tried to link it to like uh, IBS or Crohn's disease or something, but never really linked it to anything. And they were just kind of like, I don't know, what's wrong with you? And, and so I dealt with this all go- growing up. It affected my school, affected my relationships, affected sports, uh, affected me just going to the mall. And, uh, and so the people who knew me, I would tell them, hey, my stomach hurts. And, and they respected that. And then they left me be. But not Bobby, all right? <laughs> Bobby goes, well, let me pray for you. And, uh, he, he, and, and he prays for me. And in that moment, God just did something. Something just changed. And so I, I kind of walk into the worship service, and God just flooded into my life. And, and from that moment, from when Bobby prayed for me, I've been healed of most all of my stomach illnesses after that one prayer. I'm a living testimony that prayer works. And I, I just imagine, what if Bobby didn't pray and he almost prayed for me? What would my life look like? What, would I be up here today? Students, don't hesitate. Go to Collide. Parents, don't hesitate. Send your students, your kids to Collide. It could change the life. The thing about sheep is they are completely helpless. They need everything from their shepherd. Sheep don't know where water is. Sheep don't know where their food is. If they're out lost. They have no way to protect themselves from an attack. And there's this instinct that they want to follow. And it's, it's much like our souls. God made us so that we would desire to have our souls shepherd. We are helpless without Jesus. Jesus said that he is the bread and the water of life and we need bread and water, food and water physically to survive and we also need spiritual food and water for our, our souls to be active and alive. Yet we need a shepherd to guide us to it. And that shepherd, that good shepherd 
is Jesus. Jesus says that he is the good shepherd. Follow me and I will give you life. And I'll help you find pasture. There's not much you can do about missed opportunities. But you can do everything about opportunities to come. The wonderful thing about the good shepherd is when we follow him, man, his grace is unending. And even when times can be at their worst, when we're isolated, lonely, hesitant, Jesus brings us rest, life, and purpose. Let's just read just for a moment what David wrote many years before Jesus came about his shepherd. comes out of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Jesus is the fulfillment of the shepherd who David is talking about. Who David is talking about, that's who Jesus came to be for you and for me. And I believe that there is a door this morning that everyone needs to walk through. That Jesus is sitting at, waiting at. There is a door that everyone in here needs to walk through. This spiritual door could be an opportunity in your life. New outcomes. Maybe it's new financial blessing. This new door could open up new ministry. New passions for your wife or for your husband. God wants you to find joy, peace, and restoration of your soul through him. That's what he came to do. And that's who he is. But we have to choose to follow him. And put his words into action in our life. He sits at the gate of that pasture. All we have to do is to follow him in. Maybe for you following Jesus looks like going to and joining a life group. Maybe for you it's taking that next step in your faith and getting baptized. And you know, uh, signing up for the river baptisms and getting baptized there. Maybe for you, it's starting to serve others in the community or in the church. Maybe for some, it's needing to stop sinning where you know what you're doing is wrong. Maybe for some, it's giving forgiveness. Maybe for some, it's mending a relationship. Maybe for some, it's beginning to read your Bible every single day and being in prayer. No matter what it is, It's a choice whether we follow or not. Sheep do not have to follow. It's a choice whether we do it. And Jesus is the good shepherd. He's calling out to you. Are you listening? Will you follow? He will lead us to so much of a better place where we find that joy, that peace, the rest, and the purpose of our life. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you, Lord, that you are the good shepherd and that you lead us. God, I thank you that you truly are amazing. God, and I just want to pray for for the people here, uh, the whole church. It's so easy um, for all of us just to sometimes get in those uh, moments of isolation or hesitation. God, I just pray that you would speak to that this morning. And for someone here who who may be struggling with that and they need to take that next step and walk through that door and find 
that pasture, that spiritual door, that that new opportunity waits, Lord. God, I just pray that you would pour out your love. And as people take those steps of faith to follow you and to walk through that door, God, that there'd be new financial blessing, that there would be new relationships to be formed, that there'd be new spiritual growth, there'd be new found freedom in you, Jesus. Thank you for that. And if you're here this morning and you've been sitting on the fence for a long time and hesitation has plagued your walk with the Lord, I believe that he wants to enter into a relationship with you this morning. And uh, if that's you, would you just pray along with me as as I pray? And uh, just in your own mind, uh, just pray these words and just open your heart to the good shepherd who loves you. Dear Jesus, I believe in you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Please forgive me for my sins. Wash me clean. And I pray that you would come into my life, into my heart, and be the Lord and Savior of my life. I want to follow you. If you prayed that prayer, you have just walked through a new spiritual door in your own life. And it's amazing. The Bible says that there's literally angels in heaven rejoicing for you right now. And I just want to encourage you. Um, if you prayed that prayer, um, uh, would you tell me about it? Write on the tarot tab and come up front and uh, tell me I'd love to pray with you. Dear Jesus, uh, thank you for everyone here this morning, God. Would you bless them in their walk? Uh, I just pray, God, that you would open up new opportunity for new life to uh, be shared with. Uh, Just thank you for that. Continue to speak to us on a daily basis as we choose to follow you. We pray this in your name. Amen.